My kavana here is for us to do some learning and exploration together, Likrat Purim, um, about what I think is one of the one of the things that lies at the core of the Chag, and and through the particular lens, um, primarily we're going to look at a piece in the Kutay Lachos from Rabbi Nassan, but to kind of introduce that and, and build out the the concept and the topic a little more, we're going to start with some psukim, with some gemaras, and. Uh, We'll, we'll work our way forward. There's a, there's a uh, Mishnah, the first Mishnah in the second paragraph of Megillah. It starts like this. HaKoret HaMegillah LeMafreya Lo Yatsa. Pashut Pshad means if you read the Megillah out of order, meaning you're reading it backwards, you're reading the, the back part first and then the front part, and you're reading it out of order. Lo Yatsa. You didn't fulfill the mitzvah. Why? Simply stated, why didn't you fulfill the mitzvah? Uh, why does it need to be in order? Aren't the words the important part? Isn't reading? No, no, no. You have to understand. That's, have, that's what the I, context of it. What happens if you read the words out of order? What do you miss? How God is. You miss the story. You miss the story. You miss the story. And and that's Mamash what we're going to be focusing on now, the story aspect of the Megillah and the the the, the meaning of story in this entire. Chag. Now the Bashem Tov takes this, this uh, Mishnah and says, If you read the, the Megillah backwards, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. The Bashem Tov says, What that means is, if you read Megillah Esther and you think it's a story about a miracle that once happened long ago, but it's not happening in the here and now, you didn't do the mitzvah. That's not the mitzvah. Megillah Esther is not about reading about something. We're not reading a back. We're not reading the story backwards. We're not talking about something right now that happened back then in the past. Mm. To really read the Megillah, to really enter into touching Megillah Esther, is it's telling me a story of something that's happening right now that I'm part of right now. <clears throat> and and if we we think about just the the broad context of of what Megillah Esther is about. <clears throat> it's 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 in a sense a story about reclaiming the experience of the here and now as part of the great grand story, mm. right? About lifting the events of life. As they're being experienced, as very simple, quote unquote, unimportant, random things, lifting that up to recognize, oh, there's like there's a, a a great story being told in the here and present that that all these parts are participating in, and that story of the here and now is actually part of the grand story from all the way before and all the way into the future, and in a sense, finding ourselves in that story. Right? How does the story of the Megillah begin? It's a storybook, so how does it begin? Once upon a time. Once upon a time. It happened in the days of this king, this Persian king, and we hear about the story, right? Where does Chazal place the story of Esther? How does Chazal frame the story? Chazal asks, you were looking for the Gemara Chulin, right? The Gemara Chulin asks, Esther Minatora Minai. Gemara Chulin says, well, this Esther character, how do we, where do we hear about her? 
Where does she fit into the Torah? No? No? We'll get there. Esther mina Torah minayin, as it says in, in towards the end of Devarim, Vanochi haster astira panayabiyom hahu. When God says, I'm going to be hiding my face on that day. We'll read these psukim together and see what it is. And the Gemara asks, you know, Haman mina Torah minayin. Where does Haman play a role in the Torah? And that's in Bereshit. Hamin ha'etz. Did you eat from the tree? So Haman. So all of a sudden, okay, Esther is about the prophecy of what's going to be in this time when Am Yisrael is very distant from God and God is hiding the face. We can't see that God is there seeing us, relating to us, interacting with us. Haman, okay, Chazal places Haman. This is a story that actually has its root all the way back in Gan Eden from the very beginning of creation. Mordechai mina Torah minayin, that in the anointing oils of the Mishkan, there's a, there's something called Mordror, which, um, the, the Aramaic targum of Mordror, of pure myrrh oil, is Maradachia. Maradachia sounds just like the name Mordechai. So Mordechai, whereas his story, oh, Mordechai is the Beit HaMikdash, Mordechai is the Mishkan, Mordechai is the Kahuna. Esther, where is she? Esther is that, that time of, of hiddenness of God's face. Oh, Haman, where is that story? That's, that's, the, that's Gan Eden, the tree of knowledge. All these stories interacting together, coming to the fore in, in what, if you just read the text, seems like, a, you know, journalism. I don't know. <laughs> this is what happened, and then this happened, and this guy said this, and this guy got killed, and all these people, you know. Esther is in Devarim. So, so let's look. Let's look. Let's look at these, some, these psukim about Esther, Okay. Um, this is at the end of Parshat Vayelech, right before Hazinu. We're in Dvarim Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Tetzayim. Okay? Vayom Hashem HaMoshe. Hincha shochevi mavotecha. Moshe, you're going to die. Which, by the way, just, just occurred to me, Zayin Adar, right, is Moshe's death. The story of Purim according to Chazal, is happening in, in the sense of the shadow of Moshe's death, the outgrowth of, oh, Moshe died, it means that we have a chance here to now, you know, Haman has a chance now to, to capture the Jewish people. Okay, you're going to die, Moshe. This nation is going to um, follow after foreign gods in the land that they're going to come to. They're going to abandon me. They're going to... Um, Leave. They're going to break the, the covenant that I, that I made with them. And God says, in turn, basically, I'm going to get angry at them and I'm going to abandon them. I'm going to hide my face from them. They're going to be consumed or subject to being consumed. There's going to be terrible things that befall them. Okay, we can understand already why Chazal is, is saying this is the, the fore, forecast of, of the Purim story. What, what, is, what are they going to say on that day? Aren't all of these terrible things happening to me? Because God is no longer with, within me. What does it mean? What is the, the response to seeing terrible things happening? God has left me. That's always God isn't with me and God isn't within me. Within me. Remember those words, we'll come back to them. Then God says, and on that day, I'm going to hide and hide my face. There's a lot to say, hide the hidden face. We're not going to go into that right now. But, but that, that, so Chazal says, Esther minatona minayin. Where do we know? Where do we hear a hint to Esther, to her story? In the Torah, it's here. 
at the time when we're, the, the Jewish people are going to abandon God, God's going to abandon the Jewish people. The Brit is going to be damaged. And the response could be, God is no longer with, within us. God has left us. And God says, this is, this is when I'm going to hide my face. So in a sense, hiding the face has to do with the feeling of God isn't in me anymore. God's not with me. God's not within me. And what's, what's remarkable is that we actually hear a, a, an echo of that same sentiment the very first time that we encounter Amalek in the Torah. Because when Amalek shows up after Kriyat um, Yamsuf, right? Back in Parsha Pashalach. I'm going to bring the Pasuk up. Right, think about what happened. The Jewish people let, were, were taken out of Egypt. All of the Makot, you know, time and time again, they see they're almost at the end and God smites the Egyptians and create Yamsuf. They get to the Yamsuf, they celebrate, and then right away it's, oh, we don't have water. Where is this God who's supposed to be saving us now? And so God gives them water. And they keep, oh no, we don't have water again. Okay, so it's like, the water is disgusting, whatever. It's all these, all these things that, in a sense challenge or change for them the narrative of what just happened. There, is there a God who's saving us? Who's here on our side? Or is there a God who's flinging us into a wilderness without anything to survive? And look look what happens after after the, the second water episode here. Vayikra Shema Makum Masaum Riva Moshe names the place where this this fight over the water happened. Masa umriva, testing and fighting. Al-Riv B'nai Yisrael, for the fight that B'nai Yisrael put up, ve'al nasotam et Hashem, and they're testing of God, lemor hayesh Hashem bikir beinu im'ayim. Is God within us or not? Is God within us or not? Right? What's happening in the time of haster hastir, of the time of hiddenness, it's going to be in the future, is what isn't when when terrible things happen is because God isn't with me. God's not with me. This is exactly what Ben Israel asked in the desert when they left Egypt and didn't have water. What happens immediately after? Right there on the spot, after that question arises, is God is God within us or not? That is the place where Amalek's entry. Point is that is where that is that question that safek right that that deep sense of of insecurity and of a fe- feeling of really there isn't a god in here anymore there isn't a god with me anymore is where Amalek comes in and and, and what, what you know Amalek came it was karcha baderech they they cooled you down on the path they happened upon you the entire um, spiritual power of Amalek's attack. I was just saying, it is a military attack. The spiritual impact and, and statement of that attack is the story that you think is true, this story of a God who's here to protect you, it's not true. It's not true. Right? So, so what? You, you got out of Egypt? Guess what? That's over. That's not the story anymore. We're here to attack you. And that's what the Chachamim say. The Chachamim give a mashal to it as if there's a boiling pot, a, bo- a boiling pool of water. That nobody would go near, right? B'nai Israel, like after the Makot, after Yitzhak time, nobody wants to touch these people. It's terrifying and, and dangerous. And Amalek says, 
I don't care. I'm going to jump in the, in the, in the water. The I don't care if get I get burned. I don't care if I get burned. <laughs> I just want to show that it's not that hot. Right? It's, it's, it's the, the attack, the challenge against the story of there being a God who's with us. Right? It's, the, it's the, the, the opposition to that thing. No, no, no. God's not with you anymore. Script's flipped. That's the battle. That's the battle with Amalek. That's the historical um, context of Esther's story, of the Megillah, of Yemei Achashverosh, right? Who's in charge these days? This, this, this drunken Persian king. That's where this quote-unquote holy story is happening. And, uh, and I want to just bring in one more Gemara before we, we go into the Binasam. There's an amazing Gemara in Megillah, Dach Zayin Amr Aleph, which is basically dealing with the question of how did Megillah Esther become a holy book? How does this, how does this story fit into a, a, the canon? Right? There's, many, there's tons of reasons for it not to be there at all. <clears throat> Sounds like, uh, like I said, it's like a... Folktale. What? It's a, it's a folktale um, or it's a, a investigative journalism. <laughs> like just reporting events that happened. Mamash, what's holy about this book? Yeah, good PR book. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not going to read through the whole flow of the Gemara, but I'm going to kind of just like lift out certain snippets. There. So do you want to pick up on all the books that I think? So they touch like upon a few written. different ones of Kohelet and and um, and yeah, some of the others as well. There's a uh, there's a long and Shir Shirim. There's another sugya in, in Gemara Shabbos, I believe that that gets into this as well. Um, it says like this. Amash Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda Shachal Hemesul Chachamim Kfauni Ledarot. Esther says to the Chachamim, please give me keva. Make a place for me for all generations. Set me as part of the eternal story. Me, meaning my story, my book, my Chag. Make this something that's going to be forever. Chachamim have all sorts of reasons to say, like, well, we have a Pasuk that, that tells us that there's, there's three ways in which we remember Amalek, and not four. Meaning we have it in, in Torah, Nevim, Ketuvim. It's already written three times. This is just this is the way the Gemara is dealing with this. But, but the question at the heart of this, this sugya is, and the Chachamim's response is, Esther, we don't know why, why you should fit into this story or not. We're not sure that you should last forever. We already have the basis for Milchemet Amalek. We have a Torah. We have a, a, a tradition. Why does there need to be this new story? And why does this new story have anything to do with what came before? So they end up turning to a pasuk in, um, again, at the end of Milchemet Amalek, where Moshe turns, where Hashem says to, uh, to Moshe, Ktov this event, this battle, right? Write it down in a book to be remembered. V'sim be'ozne Yoshua. And, and, and tell it into the ears of Yoshua. Because as I'm going to, I'm going to erase the name of Amalek from from beneath the heavens. So Chachamim say like this: Ktov, remember these words. Ktov zot zikaron b'sefer. Read this memory in a book. Rabbi Elazar Modai Yomer Ktov zot mashchetuvkan. Write this. This is here in B'shalach. Uva Mishnah Torah and in and in and in Devarim. Zikaron. Right, so Moshe said to Yoshua, write this. Moshe and Yoshua, they're talking about Torah Shabbat. A zikaron, a memory, this is, this is the, the Nevi'im that are going to come later and where this story is going to be continued by, by the prophets. 
a sefer, but then there's also going to be a book. There's going to be a book written about it, a novella. <laughs> That's what's written in the Megillah. The Megillah is the sefer, is the book written in later generation of those of those that's continuing to tell the story of those earlier events. The Gemara continues to go through this question. Is it a holy book? Is it not a holy book? I just want to bring you to the end of the sugya, um, where they, they, they bring up the question, okay, but was the book written Baruch HaKodesh or not? Was this a divinely inspired text? Right? It's, just, it's a story. So they bring all these psukim, you know, Vayomer Haman Bo. The Megillah writes what Haman thought in his heart. So there must have been Baruch HaKodesh involved. Oh, Vaivada, Davar, you know, Mordechai knew something in some secret. Oh, if we know what he figures out, so that must be Baruch HaKodesh. Um, How do we know everybody really loved? She charmed everyone. That, that must be we had some kind of deeper knowledge of, of the events. And then the Chachamin gone, they slug up everyone. They go, no, that really, you could figure that out from these things. Oh, no, that you could figure it out. They, they basically refute all of those arguments. How do we know Esther was written Baruch HaKodesh? Okay, listen to this. Amar Shmuel. Iyavayatam hava mina milta dadifa mikulhu. He says, if I was there when the Chachamim were talking about this question, I would have said something that's better than everything they came up with. Shenamar kimu v'kiblu. Right? It says kimu v'kiblu. That, um, that the, the, the Yehudim were um, fulfilled and accepted upon themselves all of what Mordechai and Esther told them. There's going to be this holiday, etc. But what he says, Kimu v'kiblu, kimu l'mala, mashakiblu l'mata. Shmuel says, what does kimu v'kiblu mean? It doesn't mean B'nai Israel accepted and fulfilled. It means kimu l'mala, mashakiblu l'mata. That up above, there was a recognition, a making real, a kiyum, of what B'nai Israel were makabel below. What it means is that the Jewish people went through this experience. And they said, yeah, we all recognize that this is something real, lasting, and eternal. And, and heaven agreed. Right? Remember what Esther asked? Set me in place forever. Shmuel is saying, from those words, we see that Mamash heaven gave, gave the, the, the stamp of approval. She didn't just have it wasn't just chutzpah. And, and so Shmuel says, that's how, the fact that they, they wrote that in the book, that's how we know it was written in Baruch HaKadosh. They know that heaven agreed. They knew that heaven agreed. Esther and Mordechai knew, we'll read a little bit more, and the, the Gemara goes on and says, every, every, other, every other reason we could possibly give for how we know it was written in Baruch HaKadosh, you can, you can ask many kashas on it. But this, this statement of Shmuel has no kashas. I cannot do it. What, what, is it, what does it mean? On, 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 a, on a simple level. On a simple level, we're talking about Esther, Mordechai, all of them so went through this experience. At the end of it, they saw this big picture. They saw a story that took place. <coughs> and for them, it was clear that God was involved. And not only was it clear that God was involved, they also had the clarity or chutzpah, if you will, to, even in a hinted way, write in their book, and heaven agreed. We made a holiday. We were so sure that God was, was, was orchestrating this whole, these whole series of events after the fact. We were so sure that God was, was with us this whole time, right? 
going back to the story with Hashem Bikir Benu, Hashem was with us this whole time, that I can write down, when I write my story, I said, and, and, and we made a holiday and, and haven't agreed. The next reasons, that the next examples the Gemara gives are all these psukim about that the holiday will be remembered forever. That Am Yisrael is going to accept this holiday for all time. Meaning, when it, at the end of the day, when the Chachamim are struggling with the question, is this a holy story or not? Is this a book that is, has eternal value or not? What they come back to is the sense of, of absolute certainty by the people who experienced it, that yes, it is. You hear that? You hear that? Because what didn't happen in the Megillah is God didn't come out of the clouds and open the curtains and say like, you know, drum roll, everyone, it was me all along. It's, it's, it's Bahastara. It's Bahastara. It's, it's happening in a, in a concealed way, but the only people who can really know that it was real are the people who experienced it. And, and, and what it rests on at the end of the day are the people who experienced those events being able to just say, yes, God was with us. God was with us. We come back to what we saw in the Pesukim, Fariman and, and, and Muhammad Amalek, that, that the question that is the petach for Amalek's attack, like the question that, that makes us vulnerable to throw all of our story into, into, into question, into suffix, is, is God with us or not? Terrible things are happening. God must have left. There is no God here. This story that's happening now is without God. This is a story without God. And the, the, the you know, redempt, redemptive quality of the Megillah is to be able to go through those, those terrible events and, and drag out from that lowest place of of despair and, and facing absolute devastation. Oh my God, God is here too. God was here too. God is here too. God will be here too. And that, that is what, it's, it's the creation of a story that gives it its, its eterna, et, eternal quality, right? It's recognizing that, that Mamish, everything there was part of a sefer, was part of a sequel, was part of this unfolding story that God was, was telling us, was, was going through with us. Because, we're living that. Because the only way, right? Go back to what the Baal Shem Tov said, that That's you're hearing the story like it once happened, but not like you're in it right now. You're not hearing the story. Yeah. That what is the eternal message for the rest of history, for the rest of time, Adviyat HaMashiach of, of Purim, is your experience of life that's not... No one's telling you God's, God's around you, ever. It's always going to be up to you to, to lift Kodesh out of Chol. It's always going to be up to you to, to detect... God's whispers through the, the noise, right? So just, just to get into um, Rabbi Nassan, if you've seen the Kutei Lechot, you know that it's like, um, it's like free jazz. <laughs> like not, you know, there's not like much, there's, there's some kind of greater structure happening uh, that we can't quite see. <laughs> but uh, so what I'm going to do here, rather than reading like Alice, I'm not going to read every word here. I'm going to try to like weave through Rebbe Nassim's words. I don't know if this is your last page or not. You're going to skip oh. the word Bechinas. <laughs> I'm going to try to re- weave through Rebbe Nassim's words and, and, um, and just kind of like pick up the ones that I, that I would like to focus on. I hope that... Uh, 
that this, this will work. This is the Kutai Halacha is Hilchot Purim. It's the first Halacha in Purim. Um, it's based primarily... He says here, it's, 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 he opens here, it's based on Rabbi Nachman's Torah Habikurim in Torah Nunvav, where there, just kind of the basic principles that Rabbi Nachman presents there that we're going to look at are, has to do with um, God hiding and the avoda of being megale et ha-starot, uncovering where God is hiding, and, and that the process of uncovering God's hiding um, creates Torah. And he brings Mordechai into that story and, uh, and, and the Malchut. There's a lot of Purim, Purim themes there. And so that's part of what we're going to see. And the other part that he's going to talk about is, um, is based in Torah Samich, also in Kute uh, Maran. Torah Samich is, is a Torah that speaks a lot about stories. If you remember, Rabbi Nachman said, you know, famously, people think you tell stories to put people to sleep. You tell stories to wake people up. <laughs> and uh, and Rabbi Nachman himself, towards the end of his um, life, began telling the Sipur and Maisiot, began telling stories to his Hasidim. He said, I've tell, I've, I keep telling them all the Torah in the world, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't do it, it doesn't penetrate. So I need to tell them stories. Hmm. Because a story reaches deeper into every person than the most brilliant Torah can reach. And, and specifically, the stories of Rabbi Nachman are called Sipurim Aizu Mishanim Kadmoniot. These stories of ancient, ancient years, which is another idea that's, that's brought into, into this Torah and the Kutim Aran. I'll describe it a little bit on the outside and then we'll go into the Kutim Lachos. Rabbi Nachman says that, that there's people who are sleeping throughout their life. People who can be alive, can be serving God, can be doing mitzvot, can be learning Torah. And it looks like they're like totally there, and they're just asleep the whole time. And there's no, there's no real awakened sense of what's what's going on. He talks about chokhmah and other things, but seichel and I can get into. So he says, and then there's people who mamash because of things that they've done or encountered or experienced in their lives, they fall away from all of Torah. He says all seventy faces of Torah. There's such thing of because because if somebody's still connected to Torah, he says you can tell them a great Torah and wake them up. Or if somebody still has a shaykhut to Torah, you could tell them, you could be malbish your Torah in a story. You know, you can, you can dress up clothe, and clothe your, your wisdom into a story, and the story can wake them up if they can't hear Torah anymore. But what if somebody's fallen away from all Torah, from all 70 faces? <laughs> he has this beautiful phrase. The only way to wake them up is to tell them stories of Shanim Kadmoniot. Telling them ancient stories. Ancient, ancient stories. Which in a sense... I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. <laughs> but but what, I, what I can guess is that, you know, he relates it Kabbalistically to what's called Atik Yomin, the most, the most ancient um, original point in, in, in God, etc. But, but in, a, in, a, in a maybe just earthly sense, an ancient story is in a sense something that is a story that's speaking to the core of all experience. It's not something that's an expression of some idea that I have, or it's, it's even a, a chachma of Torah, a dress. It's something even more that precedes all, everything else. It's something that, that comes from the most essential place of everything. And those are stories that everybody can hear, no matter who they are, no matter what they've been through. 
It's like pre Claudius, pre Amis. Mamish, it's like it's the primordial, the primordial stories. We all have in common, no matter who we are. And and those are the stories that emanate from from God, that from Atik from the ancient places. So, just as an aside, Rabbi Nachman is already talked with Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov had an avoda. Baal Shem Tov said all the stories of the world contain in them Torah. And we have an avoda of making Berurim on them. That's why you see folk tales of all different cultures. And, and over time, they, they kind of have these similar themes. So, Baal Shem Tov made an avoda to tell the stories the right way. And Rabbi Nachman in his Sipur too, you see there's like, what is this, like Grimm's fairy tales, the Rabbi Anayit, is like, Rabbi Nachman's bringing tikkunim to the stories of all of creation. That's, that was at least. What's how it's spoken about in uh, in the his tradition. stories considered uh, He calls his stories Mishan Kanonia. Oh, he calls yeah, his yeah. stories the stories of ancient times. Mm-hmm. So that's all. A lot of that is is based in this Torah Samech that uh, that is also in the background of this Mikutelachos. So I'm just thinking if there's anything if there's anything else that he mentions here as a reference, we'll we'll try to fill in. Okay. Um, I want to. Okay, I'll, I'll do it with the pages so we can all follow along. Start here, like halfway through the halfway down the first paragraph. Okay, we'll be doing a lot of pointing at a page. First word on the line. Uh, first word is Heferu Ayen Sham. So he's now he's saying now we, we're referencing back to Torah Samech. Why was Haman? Achashverosh, why were they making this suda, this this attempt to quash and quash the future of, of Amisro? They were doing it at the end of the seventy years of exile. Because seventy years of, of exile of that Babylonian exile, the seventy years, it was like a time of sleeping. It was all a time of sleep. Right? The Gemara. Can somebody possibly <coughs> sleep 70 years? Yes, somebody can possibly sleep 70 years. Right? What does it mean to be in exile? Maybe not saying. To me, to be in exile is to be asleep for your whole exactly. lifetime. 70 years is a lifetime. <coughs> to be asleep for an entire lifetime is to exist in exile. As if, like it says in Tehillim, the days of our lives are 70 years and they are flowing with sleep. <coughs> And that's why the, the redemption is, is, is described as a time of waking up. Oh, we were like, it was like we were dreaming. That whole time we were dreaming. What's happening at the end of those 70 years is the time of deepest sleep. The deepest sleep at the end of this exile. So Haman Achashverosh see, oh look, they're sleeping to the end of time. They haven't been redeemed yet. The story is ending. This is our, our time to, <coughs> to, to rise. This is our time to overcome them. They're never going to wake up again. Because until 70 years, there's still hope. To be to wake up, because the seventy faces of Torah have not yet been exhausted. We haven't fallen away. We're not all the way past the end point of no return. That's why it was, you know, they should have been should have been redeemed already. The time the time is ticking. There won't be any hope left anymore after this point. 
כי כשהתעכב יותר משבעים שנה ונופלים חס ושלום משבעים פנים, אז היה קשה מאוד להתעורר מהשינה. The only way to wake up at that point is, this is back to what Rabbi Nachman was teaching, is what he called Hadrat Panim, the restoring the beauty of the face. Right? Hadar is, is a beautiful word there, because Hadran means to return, to restore, it also means beauty. Hadrat Panim is, it's restoring the face. Uh, it's more than one sheet, I think. Oh, sorry. What, yeah, what page are you on? I have on the top canal. Yeah, it could be, yeah, that's page five. Could, you need page one. It could be that I don't have any more. I can give you a safer. Here, I'll just share with you. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't share. No, 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 it's fine. I'll share. Oh, come sit. We'll yeah. share with you. Come, come sit. Okay, we'll so he right. goes on. I'm going to kind of dance, dance on Did the surface here. Yeah, go look, at, go look at Tarasameh. Learn it for 14 years. And, okay, perfect. Uh, you know, got it. Got it. <laughs> but, 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 but just linking all these things together, that... that he says here, it's only going to happen from Daniel. Mashiach is going to restore the ancient one to our present reality. Mashiach is going to bring God's face back into the universe. Mashiach is going to restore the light of all of our faces. Going to wake us up from our slumber. It's an interesting thing when someone's asleep. They don't really look like themselves. It's hard. Like the face changes when someone's sleeping. It's not how you, you don't... Like there's there's something that kind of is it's a different face. They're heavy too. Yeah, it's a different face when someone's asleep. When they're awake, the light of the face is restored. Life is return, restored to them. <coughs> okay. So this is why Haman and Achashverosh are 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 coming to attack Amis at the end of seventy years. I'm going to skip ahead. Look where I am. Second column. Aval. Aval. Second column. Take a look. Aval. Aval. The first word is Beinehem. Aval. Beemet. Aval. Beemet. Do you see it? We're going back up. I'm going on the next column. Aval. Beemet. Oh, looking back. Got it. Got it. Aval. Beemet. Right. But Mordechai. Right. The whole faith, it was a time of the face being hidden. There's no redemption. God isn't with them anymore. As Chazal says, Chazal says amazing. Gemara Chazal. Yesh no amacharim mefuzar mefurah ben hamim. Right? Haman says there hap there is this nation. They're all scattered. Chazal says, what does Yesh no mean? Yashenhu. He's sleeping. Yesh no. Yesh no amechad. Chazal says Yashenhu. Their God is asleep. Their God has been put to sleep. Not not with them. Not paying attention. Detached. This is the hastarat panim. This is the face isn't there. We can't see God there. But Mordechai, he had this ability. What was his koch? He could reveal hidden things. He could reveal that God was hiding. And he also had the power to rouse and awaken all of Am Yisrael who had fallen into the deepest sleep, who had fallen away from all the sunny faces of Torah. Right? You just imagine. Remember what we saw in, in, uh, in, in, in the Varim. There's going to be a time where, Mamish, you're going to leave, you're going to leave God and God's going to leave you. That's what, Azavtim, God's uses it. I'm going to abandon them in return because they abandoned me for Hefer Briti. The Brit is, is done. What happens after that point? Is there a point after that point? 
We would think no. But there is a point after that point. That point is called Vanochi Haster Asterbiam, but at Panaibiam. I'm still going to be there, but I'm going to be completely different. And the, the avoda, what's going to be necessary at that point is to be, to be awakened, to wake up, and for, the, for that hidden face to be all of a sudden revealed to us. This is a gematria, I think, goes back to the Arizal, if I'm not mistaken, that Mordechai is gematria, Rav Chesed, incredible Chesed, this unbound Chesed. Mordechai is connected to that, that ancient face, the ancient tales. <laughs> Through that koach, we can wake up even when we've fallen asleep from all 70 faces of Torah, when there's no Torah that, there's no Torah that can be spoken to me anymore to connect me, to give me any hope or any idea. There's something else that can, that can wake me up. But that's Mordechai's koach. Just want to say, there's something beautiful in the Megillah when we're introduced to Mordechai. How is he introduced? Yishudi Hayabashushan Abira. We tell this whole the whole Megillah starts with the, the, the palace, the feast, the, the messengers, the Vashti, the king, the queen, the whole. I'm in a I'm in this Persian palace story. Ah, but in that place of Shushan Abira, there's an Ishihudi. There's a man who comes from somewhere else. Ushmo Mordechai ben Yair ben Kish Ishimini. He goes all the way back to the tribe in Yamim. Right? He comes from another ancient place. He's there too. But he was Mordechai. He's there too in the palace. But he comes from Yerushalayim. He's awake. He comes from, he's a person who's in exile who left with Melech Yehuda. He, he saw the Beit HaMikdash. He comes from somewhere else. He knows of another story. He knows of the ancient Malchut. He's here too. <clears throat> but where's, where, he's, where does he come from? What does he bring with him? He's coming from that story of Shan Kadmoniot. Yeah, how, how old is Malchut? I don't know. Ancient. Ancient. <laughs> <laughs> That's really old. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ki Mordechai. Older than 70. Yeah, that's just. Ki Mordechai Rav Chesed, right? Mordechai is, his name Mordechai is the Gematria of Rav Chesed, of, of extreme, of unbound Chesed. Well, his, his Gematria of his name is the it's same Rav as Chesed. Rav Chesed. The Rebbe of Love. Rav Chesed. <laughs> Rabbi Kindness. Rabbi Kindness. Yeah. Sounds like a supermarket in Google. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have to put the word cheap in there. Then you know, every, every supermarket has to have the word cheap. Look what, look what Rabbi Nassim says. This is what we find. How did Mordechai bring all of Geula in the story of the Megillah? By telling stories. Why, what, what's the first time we, we see Mordechai do something? He hears Big Tan and Teresh or plotting and conspiracies. He hears it. And he says, hey, Esther, let me tell you what's going on. He tells it to Esther, she hastara. He's communicating a story to that hidden reality. You hear what's going, what's going on? The whole world that we live in, the whole environment, the whole experience, it's, it's all hastara. There is no God that we can see. There is no rhyme or reason. There is no story. And Mordechai is saying, I'm going to tell a story here. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at, it's going to peer into the Hastara and start telling it a story. Right? The Hester, the sleepiness, the slumber. To wake it up. To uncover the hidden reality through this storytelling. Now remember what happened. Mordechai told Esther the story about Big Time and Teresh. The Megillah goes on. It means nothing at that point. Later on, what happened? There was a time when the king couldn't sleep, when somebody who otherwise would have been asleep started to wake up. King. Like the king started to wake up. Shnat Malko Shel Olam, as Chazal says, the king of the universe began to wake up. What woke up the king? What woke God up out of the slumber, out of the hastara? What brought God's face back into the picture? It all started, Rabbi Nassim saying, by, by Mordechai beginning to tell a story in that depth of exile, in that depth of sleep, in that in that slumber, in that hastara. It says, bring the book of memories. Bring the book of memories. It's not forgotten forever. What's written there? Shahiki Mordechai. Mordechai, this, this, this one Yehudi in the Shushan, he had a story to tell. That story had to do with me, with, with saving the king. What was going on here? By Mordechai telling stories to the Jewish people. Mordechai embodying, really, the story of Am Yisrael from that, again, from that ancient time, from Bayad Rishon. It's like you imagine, the whole society is in one place and there's this one Yehudi walking around who who lives in Bay- who still carries the life of Bayrishan in him. And he says, No, 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 Hebra, this isn't where we begin. We're in exile. Let me tell you our story. Here's where we come from. Here's who we are. By telling that story, by embodying that story for, for Am Yisrael, he began to wake them up. And to arouse them again to oh, oh, oh right. Oh right, there's a God. Oh right. We're not we're not from Malchut Parasumadai. This isn't the entire t- entirety of reality. Our story is still a story. Through this, through rousing Am Yisrael back to recognize their story once again, that's what woke up the king above. That's what, got, what brought God back into the picture. Because from the arousal, the awakening below, in the Lashon of the Zohar, there's an awakening from above. Basically, God was saying, I'm going to sleep until you wake up. When you wake up, I'm going to wake up. We see what, what right? Mordechai told Esther, and Esther said it over to the king in the name of Mordechai. What does this mean? The Am Yisrael, not just Esther the queen telling this story about this conspiracy, theory, but Knesset Yisrael themselves <coughs> began to tell Malko Shalolam, Kisipra the Malko Shalolam, they began to tell their story again to God. That story that Mordechai reminded them of, 
This is what woke up God, Am Yisrael, the whole world, from its sleep. This is why, this is the, this is what reading the Megillah in, in every generation is about. What is the main mitzvah of Purim? It's reading the story. To wake us up every single year for all of history, for all of eternity, to remind us of a story that can wake us up from our slumber. This is what the Megillah is. It's such a precious thing. It, the whole thing of the Megillah is, is a tale. It's a Sipur Maisa. Let me tell you what happened. It's a tale. It opens up once upon a time. There was a king and his name was Megillah Until the whole end of the story. It's just a story. It's just a story telling. It's the story of Mordechai and Esther. It's the story of the reconnection between B'nai Israel in a place of hidden exile, in a place of sleep, with their Shanim Kanoniot, with that story of ancient times, with that reality, that story that never ended. But a story, it's just a story, but for him, when he says, it's a, that's a big thing. Yeah, it's a story. It's, we had a 15-minute intro on Sorry. Exactly. It's okay. It's okay. No, you know it says at the end of the Megillah, these days are remembered and made every single year. The Nizkarim Vinasi. We remember that there's such a thing as an ancient story that we're part of. We're reminded of that, and it's Naaseshuv. It happens again to us. The same thing happens to us. What happened to Esther happens to us. We are we are woken, dragged out of our hastara. We are woken from our sleep by hearing this story. There's no sleeping so deeply that you can't be woken up. Yeah, like this story is Herm is stronger than any sleep that's 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 out there. Everyone's woken up. That Before I go on, I just also just want to. Add to this something of Likutei Alechos, his 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 free jazz style, like for me, just opens up also, like you know, more improv. So, so just to to add to this, so he talked about the story that happens the first time Mordechai tells us her story, but but think again, what's happening when Mordechai comes to the gate of the palace when the gzera is out, and he he sends a message to Esther, right? The whole back and forth, and Esther's like, oh, put on clothes. He says he tells Hatach everything that happened, and, he, and what does he say? To Esther, what is his message to Esther? He tells her, go talk to the king. Beg for your people's salvation. Because if you're silent at this time, there will be salvation and help for Abne Israel. It's going to come from somewhere else. But you and your Beit Avich, your father's home, your family, your home is going to be lost. And Esther says, Kasher Avadati Avadati, I'm ready to be lost and to, to step step through this threshold and, and encounter the king and, and no matter what happens to me. What was Mordechai saying to her? What was he saying to her? On a certain level, 
she was reminding her of her story. Right? But it's it's there's a few levels to it. On the one hand, it's like Esther, you know, Kavalt, you can you can be here and be quiet, you can hide out in the palace. It's not gonna turn out. Who knows? You're gonna be lost. Something, something, you're not gonna make it through this. There's another story that's going on here. And I don't know how it's gonna play out, but Rebbe Khpatsalah Yamod La Yudim. The Yudim, somehow we're gonna be okay. It's gonna be Makomacher, another place. Meaning it's not gonna be from you. If you let that happen, your story is going to be deleted from the story. Your story is going to end if you don't take your place in this story right now. This is what's happening. What you have an opportunity to do is to claim your place in that story. And Beit Avich, it's what goes, it's your story that goes back to where you come from. She's the assignment. I mean, she knows what right. losing her father's house is. Mamash. Yeah. Mamash. He's hitting her, he's hitting her on a, a, what do you call it, that kind of nerve? The, the yeah. pain point, right? Because yeah. you could say, think about it, think about Esther. It's like, she lost her family. She grew up in this, in this Persian empire. For all we know, she doesn't even know, like, what Torah Mitzvot are. Put Chazal aside for a second. If you just read the Megillah, it's a story of this, this orphan girl. Her uncle took, had, had mercy for her. She's beautiful. She's dragging his past. What is she? What does she have anything to do with this? And he said, and it's like all of that comes to the to the fore. Mordechai says, Esther, this isn't the whole thing. There's actually this large story that you come from and that you're part of. And really, what I'm asking of you is, do you want to be part of your story or not? Because if you don't speak up, your non-choice here is going to result in you just being lost. Your story will end. In a sense, you won't have a story. Reverend right? is saying, it's like all of the Yeshua, this Megillah, it's all happening through stories. Mordechai's going around telling people their ancient, ancient tale to wake them up, to be part of that tale in the here and now, and to recognize, oh, yeah, yeah, God is here. I don't know how, I, don't, I can't see it maybe, but, it, but I know it's here, and that is already a petach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into it. Scary for all of us because we're all in a story. Sometimes we know we're supposed to step up, uh huh, or yeah. else be lost. So we have uh, sometimes an intuition this way, intuition that way. Maybe yeah. we need to step up. Maybe we're yeah, but sometimes it's clear you're supposed to step up, but you're just like, yeah, I don't it. want it. Choose somebody yeah. else. Yeah, but yeah. now you've just been taken out of the story, right? That's, that's what the scary. That's, that's what the Baal Shem mm. says. Mm-hmm. You read it right. like Freya. Yeah. You don't see yourself as being part of the story. The gummy. Step up into your right. role. Amash. Yeah. Amash. It's about pulling us out of the Hastara, out of that kind of pool of anonymity. Mm-hmm. Right? If you look at the deep Lashonot of, of, of Kara and Kara that, that weave themselves both through the Megillah and through Chazal, the whole. They happened upon you. Right? That whole message that your life is happenstance. That whole message that reality it's not a story. reality happens. It's not a story. The stories have a thread. Stories have a thread. Yeah. Stories have a kriya with an aleph. There's a are, are you do you happen? Does something happen to you or are you being called? Right? That's likro or likro. Amalek's message is it's all kara, it's all mikra. It happened. It's random. You're anonymous. You're, what's happening here doesn't mean anything. It's not part of any thread. 
But the Kriah, the calling, right? What did Esther say to Mordechai? It's a beautiful, you look at the Pesukim after this, but Mordechai said, Kol Asher Karahu, he talks about the Mikra that, that's going on. And Esther says, Mordechai, don't you know, I haven't been Karu to the Melech for 30 days. The Melech doesn't call me these days. And he, by telling her that story, he pushed her. Or he, he didn't push her, because he said, sir, I have no idea. That's, that's the beauty of it at the end. He's like, Mirda, I have no idea. But he presents her with a story that lets her hear a calling that pulls her out of that random pool of anonymity of life just ha- that just happens. Um, I want to I wanna skip a bit here. I'd, rec- I'd recommend you all reading through here and seeing what you can glean from it. Um, if, I, if we need to refer back to some of what Rabbi, Rabbi Nassim talks about here, I'll just say it in like a few sentences. Rabbi Nassim brings in this idea here of the goral, of a goral. It's very related to what we're talking about. A goral, right? That's the lots. Haman drew lots to find the day. It's another mikre kind of thing. Oh, I want to get them. What's the avenue that we operate in this world? We just throw lots. See what happens. Roll the dice. Right? That's how the world works anyway. The dice are just roll, rolled and wherever they fall, they fall. It's all mikre anyway. So that's how I'm going to going to attack them too, right? It fell on on the date through the lots. So Rabbi Nelson goes through this whole thing that there's this, there's what's called a goral elion, right? We have what we think is the goral, is the lottery kind of reality that we live in. It's just a, it's a limited perspective. It's wrong. But above, there's something called goral elion where he says kulotov, the place where all reality emerges from, the, the God's dice, so to speak, God's dice is kulotov. When it comes down into our filters, down into our world, there's tov, there's ra, some things are good for us, some things are bad for us. But but he describes a process of reaching back towards the goral elion through all the through all the ra to find the source of tov. Okay, transcending all um, all difficulty, all challenge, all um, all evil to a point beyond it that, that he says is kulotov. I'm putting that because it's just a hakdama for where we're going to go after this. Okay. Why the term goral? If it's already el yon, right. it's not think, a goral. Well, think about what you say, like, um, you know, matov goralenu. And in, in the Yomim Noraim, we, we say ata goralenu. We have this lashon of the goral. And, even, and he relates it also to the goral that was, was the original goral, Yom Kippur. That the, the Kohen Gadol would, would, take a, would, would draw lots to see which goes to God, which goes to Azazel. It's clear to us that's not like the person on... I don't know if they still do this. When I was a kid on TV, there's remember the white balls that were like the lotto, yeah, the white yeah, balls that would float yeah, up and to, 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 to set what numbers are the winning numbers. Um, so God's winning numbers, a godly winning number, it's all winning numbers. <laughs> you know, when when the Kohen draws lots, it's to give it to the Goraliyon. That's that's kind of Goralion. more what he's talking about. There's, I'm handing this into God's hands, and, and mm-hmm. with an Agdajim, when it's coming directly from God's hands, the the way things fall is 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 Latov, is the way they're supposed to fall. Mm-hmm. The suggestion from talking about Goral Elyon that um, the, that it's like essentially like beyond good and bad and, and reason like it just happens. Read read read, like, read 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 Nelson because I can't. It's it's, he, in, the same it's, it's in these few these next few um, paragraphs I'm going to skip over. Okay. okay. This process of being Megala Hastarot, of uncovering <coughs> where God is hiding within us, with us. This happens in each and every generation. 
which he, with each and every member of Yisrael. This is what happens when a person truly does tshuva. What is tshuva? Tshuva is when somebody has been nota, has um, strayed from the derech from the path that's good. And they've chosen for themselves chelik v'goral hara. They've taken some, they've chosen the, the path of ra. Right? The only way to, to come from ra back to tov, from disconnect back to connect, is, is, is through what we call tshuva. B'vchina shabbos, b'vchina amudatik, muva, fine. Tahainu, now look, look what Rabbi Nazan says this tshuva looks like. Shuhu muhrach l'itztaref. Rabbi Nassim says, what distances us from God is taking steps away from what, what is tov and, and choosing these, these gorals, these, these little portions for ourselves of ra. He says, the, the only way back is to walk the same path mm. that you strayed on, but to walk it back to what's called emader, to the crossroads, to the place where you made that choice in the first place. Mm. I'm just going to read his words again one more time. Dehainu. What is tshuva? This is a beautiful thing. Tshuva is going back the same, walking back the same path. Go back to all those 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 dark places you were before. Walking back all those paths that, like, just think, you know, if you if you if you were on a hike and you lost the trail, you got to go back the same way you got lost. <laughs> Go back to all the places. All what places. is what is what he calls tshuva tamishka to really restoring the balance? They didn't say this at age. No, I was saying even even in the secular world, at every even even every Hollywood movie always has this idea like the main character comes to like you know that thing he's right. messed up. Got to get back to the cross. Yeah, it's always back, and then it's that big moment. <laughs> right. Like, do they, so that's like, tikkun. That's, this is tikkun. Yeah, what he because you know he calls us tshuva be'emet karaui. There's obviously there's different kinds of tshuva. Some kinds of tshuva is just. Okay, I, 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 don't, I abandoned that path. Rabbi Nassim says, there's, there's something called restoring the balance, restoring the scales, tshuva tamishkal, which is to mamish be back and re-encounter all those same places. But instead of repeating the damage, to return to the, what's called the aim haderech, the mother of, of the paths, the place where the, pla- the paths split in the first place. To a place where all is good. That's the place where all of the paths emerged from. Go back to the ro- to the shoresh. Go back to the root. Go back to the place where that whole path began. Now, I want to say, you know, I don't know if he's kind of echoing this, but everyone loves learning Hilchot Shuvah and the Rambam in Elul, right? And famously, the Rambam says, "Was Shuva Shlema." Tshuva Shlema, right? He says there's different kinds of tshuva. There's what's tshuva Shlema is that he, the guy's in the same city in the same room with the same woman. Yeah. Now, I always think to myself, 
how did the guy get in the same city in the same room, the same woman in the first place? Only Hashem can create you know? that situation. But, 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 but maybe this is part of what, first of all, maybe the Rambam, maybe part of what the Rambam is, is talking about there is don't think that Shuvah Shlema is only when you've become a Tovah Sadiq. Shuvah Shlema is when you've returned to the same exact place where you've fallen deeply countless times and you touch a deeper point of choice and you're able to choose differently. Rabbi Nassim says the same thing. You go back to all those same places. But you touch what's called Aim Haderach. You're not bound to the Goral that you chose. Just because you chose one Chelek, one path, one outcome. The, you know, the lotto showed you the winning numbers and you just keep repeating those same numbers. No, you don't have to always follow the same. Just because it was, it doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing this time. There's, there's the freedom of choice that can be touched, which is what's called Aim Haderach. There's, there's an origin that's deeper, that's more ancient, that's more primal than every choice that I've made until this point. And I can, I can, re, I can re-begin from that same point. But the only way to really bring that tikkun of, of that kind of chuva that he's talking about is to go back to that, to that point of origin, to re, retouch the point of origin. Aim haderech. Aim haderech. What does it mean like in real life? It means like you're in the same city with the, in the same room with the same woman, and you do you do it differently this time. So That's how the Rambam says it is in real life. Yeah, I would I don't know if the I don't know if he's saying you should you should you should orchestrate it. You should call her. There's an inevitability here. Uh huh. Uh huh. Psychologically, psychoanalytically, so many of the things that we receive from our parents, and I realize now as a parent, mm. I like consider this crossroads and my natural. Tendency would be to just like repeat, right, repeat the patterns that we were taught. My dad always yelled at me when I did that thing in this way. So I'm, that's what I know. That's why I yell at my kid when they do the same thing. Wait a minute. Why am I yelling at my kid? Right. Like you really <laughs> you really <laughs> in the same place. Because yeah. that's life. Yeah. Life puts you in the places where you, right. you, you So so this too, by the way, this too, that that is the world of Goral and Mikra. Goral and Mikra is I'm just it's all Stuff has, has led me to this point and I'm just the end of this causal. It's another way of, 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 of Mikra. I, I, I happened to be, you know, a byproduct of all these things. And this is just how I am because that's just how the world, it's a deterministic view. This is just how things happen. And there is no change. There is no freedom. There is no other reality than that. Okay, well, but what comes before that whole story? What comes before that whole script? Where's, where's the ability to, to actually exert will and choose choose a different story? Right, it's reconnecting with the, in a sense, with the author. <laughs> go back to the Emadera. Go back to the birthplace of, of the whole story and see if the story can come out differently when you are an active member of it, when you're actively involved in creating it. Right? Again, Esther could have just, Esther Mordecai could have just said, oh, there's a Xera. It's done. We're done. The Gula didn't come. I guess God left. It's done. It's the Goral. It's how the dice, the dice fell. What Mordecai is saying to Esther is, is, no, the whole story can be different. The whole story can be different. You're at a point where, where you can choose for the whole story to, to be different. If he goes on, he gives some some eitzos. Moshe, you're asking about real life. He talks about 
Hatzivilach Tziunim, Similach Tamrurim. I'm going to just kind of like pick out some lines here and get to another place. But we need to, we need to make signposts for ourselves. We do need reminders along the way. Sure. We can't just blindly dive into, you know, the same places we had been before and expect that it's going to come out differently. And he even says we need to experience Mirirut in those same places. Tamrurim is, is bitterness. We need to walk back the same paths and, and let ourselves experience the bitterness of having, having fallen in the ways that we've fallen. Right? It's not just an easy fix. There's a process that has to be gone through. Mamish, um, I'll just read it. Getting back to the mother of the paths, getting back to the point where all the paths come from, will involve us um, feeling the, the bitterness of heart of having, having retracing all the steps that we've taken in our lives, right? And, and kind of owning what, what we've been through. How do we find the history? How do we find that point? That's a good question. That's a good question. What's the tool? The aim and the that original point where we blew it. Yeah. Well, I think you have to take one step at a time. You can't jump to the Emaderach. You have to go back. You have to walk back to the path one step at a time. That's what he's saying. Is it's like tracing. Okay, here's where I am. How did I? Where? How did I get here? What was the last step I took? Oh, well, what? What? What did I do before? What took me there? Oh, what, what took me there? Oh, what took me there? What took me there? <laughs> right? Like it's, it's definitely a, a process. But he says, I'm, I'm at the, the third line of the next column. This tuva, this is a process of actually restoring everything back to its its origin point. I'm taking back all the all the paths of my life and bringing them back to the to the source of my life. Whereas sham kulatov, there, what is my life? It's a gift from God. God's been with me in this entire story. Right? There's another way of, 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 of reading this too, which is oftentimes tshuva is talked about like, okay, there was a part of you, that part is dead now. That part is, is next to be excised and you need to now be a different person. And Rabbi Nassim is saying that there's actually something else, which is somehow a process of reintegrating, reconnecting all of the threads of my story to, to see that, oh, this is all part of my story. Just think about what happened, you know, Think about what we do on Purim. You know, uh, we need a. What is it? One way of not knowing between blessing Haman and, and, and cursing, blessing Mordechai, and cursing Haman is, is when I look back at that story and, and I look at the villain and the good guy. It's not so clear to me who gets the bracha. When I look in retrospect, like, well, didn't Haman really set up all these steps of, of the Yeshua just as much as Mordechai did? Weren't Haman's terrible acts and decrees and, and uh, behaviors, didn't he set up the ability to discover God in the depths of exile? Would I have ever had that without Haman? Right, Chazal says when 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 Achashverosh passed the ring to Haman to give him the stamp of approval on his decree, it accomplished more than every prophet that ever stood for Am Yisrael. 
Because every prophet, they're yelling for the Jews, do tshuva, do tshuva, do tshuva. And all it took was Haman saying, all the Jews are going to be killed on this day to get all of Am Yisrael to, to wake up again. So, so, so when I look back at the story, right, who's, who, who deserves a curse and who deserves a bracha? It's not so clear. When I look back at my story, can I really say that the paths that brought me away from God didn't also bring me to God? We have one way of experiencing the story when we're in it. We see everything just in its immediate. Is it going to kill me or is it going to save me? But when we're at the other side of something, we can look back and we can really take stock of the whole thing. This incredible different picture emerges. All the hastarot become uncovered. All of those, the, the places where it was hidden from me at the time, it becomes shown to me that there was something there. It becomes shown to me that there was something there. Um, I'm going to read now at the end of this paragraph. When all of the, the broken and twisted paths are restored to their root, which is what tshuva is, according to Rabbi Nassim. What those crooked paths, those avonot, those sins, not a nice word. Those sins, those 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 twisted paths, they make a Torah chadasha. They become a new Torah. Shenasa mizay shet chayel Torah chadasha v'chen katav rabbeinu b'mukom acher rabbi Nachman says us in kafbet shema avonot Yisrael sheyizku laati levchinat shuvat hamitit azay yenasem hem Torah chadasha. Rabbi Nachman says all of in in atid lavo, all of the sins of Am Yisrael throughout history. Will will be new new Torahs, will be transformed to Torah. He brings the pasuk from Yirmiyahu: The end of days, we're going to be looking for all of the sins that that ever that we ever were involved in, and they're not going to be there because they're all going to be Torah. They're all going to be Torah. We retrace the paths, and when you're standing at the point of having seen like the face shown to you again the redemption you can look back and you can you can you can finally understand like oh all of those painful and difficult and and mamish low places that's where i learned that's where this all came from they were the 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 platform of this chufa they were what brought me to this point of of redemption of seeing god once again i learned from i learned new torah from each one of them Torah also means instructions. Mm. Yeah, that is my instruction manual. Paths, yeah. paths are, all the mistakes paths, are what maps are instructions. Yeah. All the mistakes Genius. I made are, are what teach me how to do things right. Right? There's, there's no <laughs> um, I think we're good for now. He goes on. He goes on. I'll just say like because it's uh, it's Shabbos Zachar coming up and, and Kriyat Megillah. So he goes on. He says this thing of Torah Hadasha emerging from all these paths. So let's go back to Amalek. We have Mamash Mitzvah to read Amalek's Torah, to read Amalek from the Torah every year. We're, we're doing the same thing when we're reading Kriyat, Kriyat Zachor. It's the, the memory being restored. The Karcha Baderech. Amalek said, your path is a broken path. And what I'm doing when I'm reading Kriyat Amalek is I'm remembering the more ancient story. That means that even that path where Amalek came and attacked me and, and pulled me down, Wait, I have a new Torah that I learned from that now. It's actually there in my Torah every single year. Right? That derech, that broken derech of Amalek, 
is no longer a place of shikha. Now, right now, it's a, it's, a, it's a place of memory. It's a place of re-encounter, of reawakening. And not only that, but what happened from the entire story of Mordechai being Megala the Hastarot, right, of uncovering all those hidden stories, retelling the ancient tale, what came from that was Megillat Esther, was the, the uncovered hidden one, which is Mamash new Torah. There was a new book of Torah written from that. You, put the, you see how it's yeah. all coming together? Like the, the I missed the, the Mordechai. It'll be better to read it from the inside. But but we, we have a the mitzvah zechirat Amalek. Is that for every for all of time and every every year every generation we insist that what Amalek did to us that story is not a departure from our story. It's mamish in our Torah. It's mamish part of our Torah. By reading Kriyat Zachor, I encounter Amalek from a place of Zechira, from a place of memory, not from a place of Shikha and suffering. The attack of Amalek was, was itself merely a platform for me to, to discover God in a whole new way afterwards. Mamish, mamish it became Torah. And that's what happened with the story that just happened in the times of Esther Mordechai, Mamish became a new book of Torah that was created from all of those those deep, dark experiences when they were redeemed, when we came through it, when we were Megala, the Hastara, we found God's face again hiding there. Torah Chadasha was born. Uh, what else is there to say? We've got to just, you know, we have to daven, we have to dance, we have to fling ourselves. I don't know what we have to do. Uh, we, each, we each have a story here to, to tap into. We have a story here to to allow to to reemerge and to to live, to live it, and uh, see the new Torah that comes out of it.